2: Joel's gone. I don't know where Joel went. Joel's here. I promise. Let's bring Joel off the screen for a second. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel. Okay, Joel's back, and now Dennis is here. Everyone's here now. Now it's a party. Welcome to the show. Uh, We got a good one for you today. Earnings Parade continues. by the dip yesterday. We're going to talk IPOs with our first guest, Eric Kroll is the author or co-author of the life cycle trade he studies ipos he would join us at 8 35 and i'm talking to the ceo of live person rob lacasio lpsn is your ticker late earnings last night he'll be on the show at nine o'clock we had a lot of earnings last night activision lyft we had uh gm this morning So a lot to get to on that front. Go ahead and smash the like button for some earnings. We'll do take our time. Smash the like button for take our time. We'll try to get to as many of your questions today as we can, though we always seem to fail in that regard. But every day is a new day. Joel,
3: how are we doing this morning? We're doing good. We're doing good. Check check your phone real quick. I sent you something. I want to try and perhaps get on the screen here. Uh, S P's are trading in the green. by the dip works again. We're up sixteen and a quarter handles. I uh, traded a little bit below the close, but then just caught a bid uh, with some uh, good earnings reports. Show, show us your charts. Uh, I'm showing you charts right now. Uh, you have uh, crude. Ooh, up another eighty cents here at. Sixty-six forty-nine. You have gold just hanging out near eighteen hundred, up a buck in seventeen seventy-seven. Silver that's in the red by sixteen point three cents at twenty-five thirty-eight. And Bitcoin just hanging out in the fifty-five thousand handle, up six hundred ninety dollars at fifty-five thousand two hundred and nine. Uh triple D yeah, pretty much straight up in the uh, after hours. How's uh, it looking to you?
1: Yeah. Again, though, you had to be selective. And what were we talking about yesterday? Was buying value on dips. And we had the dip in everything in the morning, and then the separation started in the afternoon. The tech, not so much of a rally. Wow. Everything rally in the last twenty minutes, but you really saw the separation where value stocks started to rip all afternoon. Um, you know, the commodity stocks ripping all afternoon. I mean, this is the market that we're in where they're separating. I think growth is still a sell on rallies and value is a buy on dips. That's how I'm approaching this market. That worked very, very well yesterday.
3: Yeah. all the big, I was looking at the big tech and uh, Apple, boom, down goes Apple, takes out that 131. I know yeah. Microsoft had some news. That was weak. Um, got on well under uh, 250 uh amazon i mean the world has forgot about earnings from amazon obviously they don't
1: forget they just what's yeah. what the market I don't want wants something to look forward to i mean i'm all excited i want something to look forward to what are they looking forward to now they had the good earnings they had the buyback they did everything they were supposed to do and the market's like okay well what am i looking forward to now and they're selling them off i still own my amazon still my apple i don't i'm not selling these stocks i think eventually they find bids again but Right now, value is what's making my portfolio move up. It's the only thing making my portfolio up, move up. And I wish I had all value stocks. I don't know. Mitch, you were talking this morning too. I'm not sure if Mitch is there, but Mitch is starting to become a value guy here as well. I mean, I mean this is the market. It's been three months. It could be three years of value. This could happen. The valuation's a gap, like we said before, growth, ridiculously priced. Value was ridiculously cheap three months ago. It's come in a little bit. There's still a lot of value stocks that are very cheap. Now, again, I don't want to chase. You got to wait for pullbacks, but you get them. This morning, you got to dip in a lot of those value names. And then when they turn around, like U.S. Steel, right in the morning, it dipped. It dipped hard. It opened up and then ran and then gave it all back. No one's to do all afternoon. Run, 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 run. So they're looking at value right now.
3: Right back, yeah, U.S. Steel's coming up on a a big level. Uh, Right when that news was announced the pack, 2740. uh, We're getting up there, folks, 30 cents away. That was first time up. We'll see how it reacts. It's come a long way since that low. Goodbye on that one, Triple D. Uh, The new core I saw was holding in there. That made a new all-time high. That had a, a strong day. STLD Steel Dynamics, I'm sure the chart looks the same in that. Boom, New all time high. Uh, what else do we have for um, for value commodity stocks there? Um, all right, well, UPS, I mean, that's not a commodity stock, but look at that thing. Has UPS this ever doesn't marched stop. like that? Doesn't stop, Joel. Man. And that's,
1: um, you know, now it's just gotten overdone. You can't, like, so this, again, you got to look at what you're buying. If you're, and, and Kramer said last night, if you're buying you you've missed it. You know, you need to have some type of a dip, although he did say he'd buy a piece of it now. But, you know, it feels like it does need a dip. I mean, you have. If you're coming in here now on UPS, you've missed it. I bought this stock back. You know, this was when I bought back in June when I had the earnings dip at 100 bucks. I sold it like 120 because I thought it was a pretty good move. And I thought we were still in the corona crisis. Never rebought it. Big mistake. Obviously, stock continues to run. Great company, cheap multiple, but you need a pullback now. And some of these value names, you do need a pullback. Don't chase the value names is what I'm trying to say. I want to be long them,
3: but I want to be long them on dips. The dip. That was a nice dip yesterday. That certainly was. And uh, just none giving it back this morning. Uh, And and you keep getting getting
1: opportunities. Like people think if FOMO kicks in, you're like, I'm never going to get. There'll be another trade tomorrow. There's always another trade. You just got to wait for that opportunity. Sometimes these earnings reports are giving you opportunities. You know, we've seen, you know, like U.S. Steel was a classic example where I was like, okay, here's, you know, one that I want to want to own. I sold it. It was selling off on the earnings, which were Okay. And, you know, and then it turns around on a dime like that one worked out perfectly. But there's opportunities There's always an opportunity. Just kind of separate. Have your list. You got 100 stocks on your list, separate them. Don't have all growth on your list. If you've got 100 growth names on your list or all 100 SPACs or 100 tech stocks, you got to start learning how to trade other things, because right now those things are completely out of favor and they might continue to stay out of favor because the valuations are all still nuts. So, you know, you look at Teladoc and the thing goes down every single day. Correctly called on this show. Hated it since 240. It's 158 bucks. At a certain point in time, it's oversold. I mean, I'm not saying coming short TeleDoc now. The trade was a long time ago when Kathy was buying it at a 240 and 220 and 200. That was the time to be selling it. I mean, she's still buying at 158 bucks, so she can average down and average down and average down. And you know, maybe eventually comes back, but um you know this is a gross story this was the story of the lockdown it's been cut in half it's a two for one stock split now and it's not only given back it's given back two-thirds of the covid run now like this is a covid stock at a hundred bucks maybe Teladoc. it's interesting but again you got to go look at valuation you've got to put on your cfa hat now we're in a new market where valuation matters i'm going to keep preaching you guys the same stuff every day because that's what's working
3: does everyone know when Dennis says CFA hat? Does everyone know, where, know what a CFA? They all know what they mean. Chartered
1: Financial Analyst. So this was, you know, the this is, you know, it's from the CFA Institute. I have my, I have my CFA. I did it back in two thousand and two. It's the valuation. You know, it's this is easy. how you, you know, the company that you know the that puts out analysts that value stocks. They sit there and do the homework. They crunch it all out. That stuff hasn't worked in 2019, 2020. 2020 absolutely did not matter. It matters in 2021. Long-term valuation always matters. Short-term, we go into these crazy bubbles where nothing matters. Oh yeah, it's just story, it's hot. Always in the short-term. So there's two, you got the short-term and you got the long-term. In the short-term, the story is all that matters. But once the story cools off, it's valuation that matters. That's what's going to hold up the price. And if you're buying stocks 50 times sales and the story cools off, fine to buy a stock at 50 times sales if it's got a hot story. But when the story cools off, you got to know I got to go because there is that huge gap between story and where real value is. And you're buying stocks 50 times sales can take a long time even for growth stories to grow into those earnings and to, to grow into those multiples. So, you know, when we saw it back in the, back in the tech bubble burst, when, P, when Cisco was trading with a PE of 80 or 100 times, it never got back. Cisco never came back. HODLers in Cisco CSCO never got their money back. Go and look at the long-term chart. You say you look at the chart of Cisco and you look at it for the last, like, decade, and you're like, oh, it's been a really good stock. It's straight up from 20. The stock hit $80 in 2000. 21 years later, you're still down money. Why? Because you paid too high of a multiple and it never grew into it. Never, ever did. That is going to be a lot of these growth stocks. A lot of these growth stocks are never going to get back to where they were. Some of them might. A lot of them will not. And that's where you're in broken stocks. Don't just think it has to come back. They don't have to do anything.
3: Yeah, the twenty-year history. I, I'm I'm bummed here on TradeStation because now the twenty-year history, um, only they, take- oh they don't
1: they they say it doesn't exist
3: or it
2: exists.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, back
2: twenty years. Back, it was Twenty-one years ago, I made the high. Go back. Yeah. Trade. Wait, I, yeah. I I thought CFA stood for like can't find acquisitions or something. Yeah, I thought I, thought, uh, I thought it was a spec term. Ha. Huh. No. No. All right. Chartered financial
1: analyst. I hope that was a joke, but. Chartered financial analyst. I think it was. Was it Spencer?
2: Can't find alpha. That's what I meant to say. Can't, can't find, alpha. find alpha.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's better.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, we got the
3: drop there. Do we got? Wah, wah, wah. Actually, we
2: do. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I could okay. do it to myself. Uh,
3: earnings. Yeah. We want to do any earnings.
2: Yeah. Um. But before we do that, I, I just want to go. very briefly into uh, Doge only because is this like the SNL trade? Uh. Elon is hosting SNL this week. Doge is running into that, and I'll bring a classic. My, I'll, I'll bring up my chart here uh, so you so you can see the chart mm-hmm. of uh, Doge, and then we'll get to the serious stuff after that. But okay. uh, but Doge, The
1: classic run up. We talked about
2: this. We 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 did. We, did. we talked. I didn't put about it on because I, I just didn't want to buy
1: nonsense. But yeah. if I was a crypto right. trader, I'd probably be long doggy coin right now. Yeah. it probably has its topping event. So be care- you're getting to the point, you know, where it's probably going to run into the event. Maybe we even had a buck. Maybe it just gets crazy and goes to a buck on the- on the Saturday Night Live thing. And then that's probably the topping event. We see this all the time: the run up into the event, and then the capitulation. Everybody comes in Monday morning. The last, like Johnny, come lately, is coming. Like I saw a talk with this doggy coin on on Saturday Night Live. I want to buy that, <laughs> and that's the top. So I predict that all doggy right. coin will make its 2021 high i'm predicting right now that it will make its 2021 high within the next week so like friday saturday because it trades over the weekend sunday monday it's tuesday so i'm saying between now and next tuesday doggy coin will make its its 2021 high and maybe never see those levels again so if you're in doggy Ooh. coin i would get the hell out this weekend You're 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 all over it great job The Saturday Night Live event is the event that is running this thing, and you know it's going to get some of that. But if you think it's going to keep taking off after that, history shows doesn't have to do anything. Maybe it does continue to run, but history shows that these these things like to top out when mass media is you know all of a sudden aware of it. Uh, They're going to be aware of it Saturday night when Elon Musk comes on and pumps the doggy coin. I wouldn't be surprised if tops out Monday.
3: There'll be a skit or two, huh? You know, uh, I'm sure folks i sure on there it. will be. All right, well, market timing—that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's okay. a big debate. Does anybody watch Saturday Night Live anymore? That was <laughs> no, apparently because
2: they're running it. This is the thing about SNL. Everybody says that the SNL that they grew up with was the best SNL. They, it, oh, it was right, and that's true for everybody, every generation. No, it's that. only true for us.
1: Okay. <laughs> Come on. With Will Ferrell, <laughs> you think about how many Belushi, think about you, like how many Adam Sandler gang, wait,
3: wait. Bill
2: Murray, Bill Murray, Gilda I mean. Radner. are we talking about the seventies or versus the nineties? I don't know. Wait. And then before we go to the earnings though, uh, Joel, what is this
3: picture that you sent me? You, you don't, you didn't, you don't recognize that picture. Well, I'm gonna bring it up here, uh, but I want you to. Dennis, will now I've showed this one before. Well, no. I've shown too many pictures. I, after don't think, this. I
1: don't think you have. Who sh- is that? Who's I that? don't think Joel's in any of those people's bellies. <laughs> 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 Who's that dashing young man on the left? Is that Mr. L. Conan? Yep. What are you doing <laughs> with your like? What are you? What's this face? You are a I punk man. I what don't that know punk but... face he's got in the pit. Yeah, they can find the punk kid, the runner. That's the runner right no, there. No, I was
3: clerking there, but oh, you're
1: clerking there.
3: I, well, you know, the CME is closing down to pits except for the euro dollars. Did you see that news, Dennis? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yeah. Horrible. But look at um, that's my buddy, Steve Reed. I haven't talked to him in a while. He uh, he went to University of Hawaii and he came to work in the pits. But look at the guy on the left, Pat Skeleton. What oh, we used to call, I used to God call well, He's going like this. The guy yeah. The one, yeah. He just lost all his money. What, what well, happened? Well, he's a clerk, he lost So, lost so he's not, He had just had it. I mean, it's either buy 50, like someone wants to buy 50 at the market, or he has like a big problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 So I don't know, man. I was probably. Where'd like you that. pull
1: this one out of?
3: Out uh, of your well, you're not allowed to take pictures on the floor. Yeah. But this girl, I, I think it was Kathy Mooney that took this picture. And uh and then I got it. And I I have just had it for a while. So that was, yeah, because and then this, I'll show this too. I didn't send this to Spencer. You know what um, y'all know what this is, right? I saw free, this on Twitter. Trade ticket. Yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a trade card. I still got a lot, man. I when I knew I was moving out of Chicago and leaving, buy, and then there's sell. Um, I just started like grabbing a stack of these things every day, I still got a big box of them, and then I just kind of keep my money in it now. So and it's good to, to write notes on. But the right. only reason I wanted to bring that up is because the Merck closed down the pits on the day, uh, you know, when the world shut down, and then now they're going to uh, re—they're going to close everything except yeah. for the. I don't know why they're keeping the Euro Dollar options open, but. That's what they're doing, but uh, that—that's an old one, man. That—that—that's from. That's so from the S and P
1: futures pits are going. Yeah, go they're
3: going after the September contract. They're going wow. to this. That was at the Merck. That was at the CME.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, that was at the side of the S and P uh, 500 pit, and then there's also, and I don't, I, I brought it into the office, but I have one. When the pit was just packed and crowded and it was on a cover of business oh, week and it was from the top. I don't know, there must have been. And uh you could see me quoting in that, but I didn't I don't even know where that's at. That's my that, that was uh that was from a hundred years ago. But anyways,
2: yeah uh, okay. uh yeah. Chad's making fun of your, your buddy Steve for all those different colored pens, but uh, the ADP number just came through. I don't know if you care about that, uh lighter than expected on on jobs uh, for. I was supposed to go wide on that, Joel. I didn't even move.
1: <laughs> I'm shy. I didn't go buy, bought, 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 or sold, 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 sold.
2: Yeah, no, not really. Yeah, there you see not the number of on the screen. 742,000 versus 810,000 estimate. So uh, we'll, we'll be watching for Friday.
3: Yeah, Friday's a big number. We'll be watching for yeah. Friday.
2: All right. Okay. Let's do some earnings, shall we? Oh,
3: sure. Eventually yeah. we need
2: to do that. Uh, eventually. Uh, we could do GM. We could do Activision. We could do Lyft. Where do you want to start? Oh man, oh. let's go. Oh, let's go, General Motors. Hey, that was out. I own shares. I've sold puts, stocks up, value right. name. Kind of fits the bill. GM was out this morning. Their Q1 earnings per share, uh, very nice, two dollars and three cents. Versus a, let me bring the chart up there. Versus a one dollar and four cent estimate. Sales thirty-two point seven versus thirty-two point six billion. So a beat and a beat in the first quarter. They gave some EPS guidance for the year. That was a little bit light. It was in the Mid to high uh, high $4 range versus a $5.24, an estimate that gave some net income guidance for the year as well. Um, What else did they say? Uh, Preparing to launch a redesigned Chevy Bolt EV this Mm -hmm. summer. Um, Talking about this uh, impact from the semiconductor shortage, which we know already.
3: Um, Yeah, that's kind of it. Kind of no man's land, huh, Dennis here? You spiked up over 57.50. I don't know. I'll just give you one more target over this pre-market high because we seem to be pressing up against the uh, upper end of the range. And uh, it's actually just going back to Monday's high if you want another target on the upside, 58.34. Up a couple sticks. That's probably like the average daily range in the thing. So I don't know. If you want to try and buy it on a dip, the top of yesterday's range, that's not too far away. Let's call 56.59 support, 58.34 uh resistance
1: but this is not a dip this is a rip i exactly. own gm i would be you know yesterday was a good opportunity nice let support 55 and now it's ripping up big out. support at Fade trade 55 is big support so we'll see if that can hold i mean some of these stocks are not looking that great on the chart either i mean ford doesn't look healthy either um i'm still on both of these though it's just a matter of whether the rotation comes back and breaks them out again i'm not a big pattern i'm not a big chartist i'm a big Person for sentiment relationships. Ooh. I think value still in favor.
2: The chips didn't hurt them, huh? They, the no, chip- no, yeah, yeah, did, did, they did, they did, just yeah. not as much. Well, it's just that like everyone's being hurt the same, right? So it's like you know, Ford. Ford said there's going to be a million and a half fewer vehicles that they're making this quarter than or this year than you know GM is 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 also in that ballpark. Um, what about
3: Activision here? This morning. Yeah, street reading, leading the wrong way the this one. Wow, R- roll,
2: rat row. Very interesting action after the numbers came out last night. So the EPS uh, was good. Uh, well, it's it confusing because they gave gap and non-gap numbers because there are some sort of gap deferral there. So the EPS is confusing. Uh, sales was good though. Uh, sales came in higher, and they issued Q2 guidance, which you don't see too often these days. Not every not every company issues guidance. A lot of them cop out, say, oh, it's too hard to tell. impacts of COVID. We can't really say for sure. No, they gave some good guidance. And they said Call of Duty is crushing it for them. This
1: looks like a flat out sell to me. (laughs) Um, Just because the stock was breaking down. The chart was ugly. You're coming back into the whole 95 resistance area. And people are buying it up to that. If you're buying it at 95, you're absolutely doing it backwards. Um, This is also still a lockdown play, and we're going to reopen no matter what they say. We yes, I still like video gamers long, long term. But I think if you're trading this thing, I think it's a gift overnight. I'd sell it. That's my opinion on it.
3: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't own it, but if
1: I did, I'd sell it.
3: What's interesting about this one, I mean, obviously the street was leaning a little short end of the report, and you could tell it was weak. But I think yesterday, what you had a dynamic was I think your pattern traders got you know your momentum traders got on it, and it took out ninety one and that was like full one, two, three, four five lows in a row. And it was just like, okay, man, market spoozer going down. This just took out a quintuplet bottom. I'm pounding this thing. And they did. And it was, hard, you know, bounced a little bit at the end of the day. I mean, you got to what? 94.80. But look at this high right here. I mean, if this is not a sell zone, oh, that was 94.86. So you've leaked the buck off it. I I think you find sellers in the 90, you know, here, 94 handle. It takes out the pre market high. It takes out the pre market high, but a lot of people getting their money back today.
1: Oh, yeah. And they'll be looking to get their money back by taking in the cash and buying doggy coin.
3: That's exactly what, right. What
2: about the sympathy plays to EA to take two? Not so much interesting you you yeah, would think
1: I like i thought that too and i did go along a couple of these stocks just for sympathy last night um and i still Let have out. a little position but you're not seeing much of a sympathy move here so i'm actually surprised by that the the two i own the long-term portfolio is still zynga which had a, a pretty big sell-off yesterday um it this stock i guess i should be trading it because every time it comes back down to 9 or 10 it's a buy and every time it gets back up to 11 it's a sell um, I've just been holding through the whole thing. So I'm like, oh, I'm doing really well and then I suck again. Oh, I'm doing well and I suck again. So I mean, I guess this is just a trading market. You gotta take the gains while you got them. And this has been a play where if you're buying in the nines selling in the elevens, you've been doing it right. Um I also own take two. Chart not looking great on this one either. I think I'd be a seller of rallies and take two, but I've gotten in there long term. I bought this at a hundred bucks and I've stuck it in the retirement account. I think I just want some gaming exposure, so I'm sticking with it. But as a trade, I think I'd be a seller of rallies talking against
2: yeah. my book. Again, the only person that does that. <laughs> and, and and we love you for it. What about Zillow? saw also in chat mentioned Zillow. Uh, let's take a look at that report last night. This is my, or uh, my favorite my favorite app, quite frankly, the app that I'm on the most, is to browse and 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 waste time on and look at all the houses I'll never buy. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it, it's the truth. There is that SNL skit that from like a month or so ago that like was I felt personally attacked uh, for, from that skit. Anyway, <laughs> um, the EP the numbers from so Zillow uh, EPS twenty one cents versus twenty four cents revenue one point two one versus one point one billion. Um, this this has to be like borderline best case best case market for a company like zillow right now if if, if they're not crushing it now then like when are they going to crush it it's just not-
1: had again you've got so many people caught in this thing now when full march 2000 bubble burst and now we're having the repercussions afterwards and it's been ugly 212 down to 120 100 points down about 45 percent off you can say oh it looks cheap here now but this stock was. Well, we shouldn't look at where it was in March because everything got hit. But before the COVID crisis started, the stock was 50 bucks. So, obviously, you know, you're down to the 50 75 There's lots of support down there. It's a long ways down. Do we eventually see 100 bucks on this? I think so. So, I think I'd be a fader of the rally here, too. Valuation's crazy, I believe. I haven't looked at, specifically at it, but I don't think it's a cheap stock by any means. How much money they make this quarter?
2: $0.21 cents per share.
1: It's a buck. So, I don't know. So, maybe the next 100 it. times earnings. I don't know. Maybe, this, this, maybe there's some seasonality effects in there, but it's not cheap by any means. This is not a value stock. So, it's not the kind of stock I'm looking to buy on dips. I'm only buying, I'm only buying value stocks on dips and I'm
2: selling uh, growth and high multiple. It, it, it is record revenue for whatever that's worth. It was their highest revenue in their company's history. So, this it's is good. A, yeah, I know. They're, yeah, they're firing, but it's just the valuations.
1: It's, just, it's yeah. expensive. Yeah. $31 billion company.
3: Six down days in a row and uh, due to break that streak, perhaps uh, traded up. Oh, boy, this is this is really no man's land because you 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 leak pretty bad off the headline. Twenty eight forty eight. So you're three bucks off that. So you're going to find some sellers ahead of that. (sighs) Not even your two day high. Uh, Your two day high is one thirty one forty. I think I just have to give a definite pass on this one.
2: Uh Lift okay. Lift seems like they're recovering. Uh they lost thirty five cents per share versus a fifty-three cent loss estimate, revenue of six hundred and nine million versus a five fifty-eight million dollar estimate. So they beat on the EPS, beat on the revenue. Active riders thirteen and a half million, active riders last quarter, which was a little bit above uh where Faxet was expecting, and uh, revenue per active rider, uh also a smidge above their estimate as well. Uh, so it looks like they're they're getting there. They're getting there. They're coming they're coming out of
1: it. Bag holders from sixty to sixty-five. As you get close to sixty, I would expect to find resistance. Did we hit sixty after hours? Yeah, still? we did. We just, Gifted,
3: yeah, gift, gift. just just nicked it. Well, actually sixty, sixty-four. Yeah, How so you mean? went
1: through sixty. Anybody buying this above sixty gives zero to technical analysis because this is just bag holder central from 60 to 65 so it's going to be tough sled and to get back yeah, up there you that's got a big three months car. of people or two months of people buying it up there and they're like oh you know i'm down i want my money back because nobody sells at a loss and um you know you get back up in the 60s you got lots of people willing to sell because they want to get their money back so mm-hmm. i think as you get to 60 it's trouble I'm not buying reps. Don't get paid to buy reps. Not in this market.
3: You got a long ways to go to get to the top of uh, yesterday's range at fifty six forty nine. So if you're looking to, uh, you know, if you're looking to buy this on the dip, I mean, who knows where it could go? Another, another very tough chart. Just a slow leak off this, uh, this fifty eight eighty four. So we'll see. Is there any daily highs here to uh, to lean on? Now, uh, I'd say this thing better hold 58. 58.05 was Friday's high. So under 58, I think you get a look at uh, the top of um top of Tuesday's range, 56.49. All right. I've got it for you. Uh, a value stock that went on a huge run last
2: year into this year, is well off its highs, still a value stock, Ooh. and is up a lot this morning on earnings. Well, uh, the up on the mason, man, might not want to buy. What is
1: it? Tupperware. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Why I grunt and I groan is I actually bought this at the close. Oh, yeah. I bought 2402 because and I thought to myself. It. Yeah, I know. I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I think Tupperware's going to beat. And then I'm like, uh, I'm looking at it and looking at it and looking at it. And I sold it last night. I didn't want to take it through. I, I, I talked myself out of it, taking it through the report and it does beat. And you know what? It was value in it or to a certain extent. And it is kind of the play that everybody's, you know, staying at home and they're like Tupperware. I mean, this has been, and, and what is that? Um, Who's that person? My wife follows. It's um, that, that like that's the reorganization person, the, the girl that's into the whole reorganization cabinetry. And this is why, we also saw store? T- 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 no, the container stores no, take that off.
2: Whole, that's a whole, like, genre on, like, social media.
1: Is, yeah. Is, TCS took off. Somebody in the chat's going to have her name. My wife will kill me for not knowing her name. They're, uh, they're anyways. All, yeah. Rachel? Rachel Ray? No. no. A, a Marie, Kondo, Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all oh, yeah. oh, thank you, Marie Kondo. I mean, we saw t- the container store take off. I think Tupperware is part of that, too. I really do um you know organizing in your cabinetry organizing with tupperware so i don't know if that's why the stock was up but i had that in the back of my mind too when i bought it last night at the close of 2402 and somehow i did not take this through the report i should have taken this through the report stupid very very smart to get in and then i talked myself out of it
3: yeah. hey it's trading up it's Trading up near the highs that well it just backed off a little bit. So let's look to uh uh file through through this uh, pre market high of twenty six ninety five. As always, if you don't get through that pre market high, you got a chance to fade. But look at the sellers lined up at twenty eight. If it happens to get there, you had four highs right over that region back in uh, March, and then you had another five highs right there. So longer to see if it can run another buck. This was a uh this was an at the close favorite. I can't remember who it was. And I know Andrew Garver talked about it, but someone like every day they asked about Tupperware. And uh and I'm like, well oh, the chart looks okay. Well the chart looks okay. And then it topped out on the monthlies. Look at that. Gave you a lot of shots to get out there at 3850. I don't know. People are going out to eat now. They're not all cooking at home. They don't so have it's the leftovers. They don't need the Tupperware. So I yeah, don't think a it good was point. a stay. It was a stay-at-home play.
1: Yeah, it is. And maybe you do fade it for that reason. I just felt like they were going to have a good quarter. I screwed up. Mad at myself.
2: All right. Next, uh, you're talking about SunPower in the Benzinga.com chat. They out this morning. It's it's a beat, but it's also growth stock. Uh, so I just sun. hated. So
1: uh, I kept that small piece of SunPower. I bought this at six bucks. I bought the stock at six dollars. Oh, I sold eighty percent of the position at fifty-one. <laughs> Kept twenty percent of the position. Still way up in it. Twenty-two, six to twenty-two. And you know, I bought this in June or July or last year. I was like, that's a pretty good, you know, fifty-two. But when it got to fifty-one, you feel like it's almost a loser at this point. I guess you just gotta sell the whole thing and never keep a piece. I got that Jason Rasnick in my head. It's like, ah, oh, keep a piece. You know, he always keep. He never sells everything. He just sells like ten percent. He sells twenty percent. Wow. So Isn't I said, oh, that- keep a piece <sighs> of this one too. And okay. it's now $22. I'm like, why did I keep a piece of this? I should have sold the whole damn thing. But, anyways, it got just loony. It got crazy town. Six to 51. Six to 51. Well, anyway, I well, 51, it went higher 57. than that. Yeah. It went up a thousand percent in like nine months. All the easy money was made. Now it's all bucks? easy losses.
3: Maybe hold out for 2007.
1: I don't know. what I bought it six bucks. The other shares, I'm probably gone this far with it now. I'm probably holding it now. You got to have some growth. I like solar. I still like solar. I bought first solar, which obviously was a good buy and now it's a bad buy. I bought it right here at 74. Went to 90 almost immediately. Like five days later, I felt like a genius. Now I feel like a loser because I didn't sell again too. I guess this market, you just got to take the gains when you got them or the market will take them for you.
3: Wow uh and uh just looking at that spwr i mean there's a seller i mean there's someone just well you gotta start to show a little bit a little oversold bit of, yeah it's oversold uh 2201 pre-market low i got nothing on the monthlies for you until 20 but keep an eye on that that pre-market low see if you can find some daily lows that's really not too long ago this was back in december holy macro. That was a run. What do you got? Oh, yeah. All these lows here in this area. I just don't think it's going to chop to that. Actually, the lows go up from 20 to 21. So we'll see if it can extend uh, the tide today. S&P's popped up to 79. Absolutely no relevant number up there. And we backed off six handles. So. Uh, Nice pop here. A little bit of a fade going into the uh, just after 830 here. I don't know if there was any imbalances or not that maybe uh, did that. But um, uh, Joel's still calling the S&P 4200 top. Well, it looked a hell of a lot better yesterday than it did today. Uh, We'll see. I mean, that's a big level. You got your close up there. You got your high from Monday. So we'll see. Straight up. But sixty handles off that low from yesterday. We'll see if it mm-hmm. holds today.
2: I, I I like that old saying from D.
3: Ridge: "Sell when you can, not when you have to." Just like uh, borrow money, borrow money when you need to, not when you have to. Okay,
4: sure, that's
2: not it. Uh, okay, let's do one more before Eric recall. Let's do Match Match Group MTCH. This is a reopening creative if I've ever heard one. Uh, before wow. their earnings out and. The EPS, 57 cents per share on a 40 cent estimate revenue, also beat 667 million. Good thing it wasn't 666 versus 650 million. So they beat on the top and the bottom line. uh, Tinder users higher, average revenue per user higher. Um, Again, this is a reopening trade to me. (laughs) <laughs> you know
1: what? Yeah. I mean, they already got this for me figured out i am i'm selling all these growth names into these rallies this is a gift day i mean you got to take the gifts when you got them so 150 above this everybody's going to be trying to sell this thing i think is it going right back to 160 if you just have four days of massive bag holders in there i don't nope. think so i think they're going to be trying to sell so i'd go yesterday's high 148 and a quarter Oh my goodness, that's where it topped out after hours. Joel, your levels
4: work, man.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, this Joel Alcone, where he <laughs> just goes daily highs and daily lows. We I didn't even I hadn't even looked at the after hours chart. And I just looked at it on the screen. I was like, that coincides perfectly with yesterday's high. So a major resistance there. And then you get into the 150 psychological. It's a good short up there in my opinion. Look at 148
4: the 48 to 150. Too.
1: Good short. Oh, look at the
0: monster.
4: That's my opinion.
3: Oh, look at the monthly too. I mean, it's just it's st- the monthly highs. It's got a lot of work to do. Uh look at that pre market high. Uh forty as Dennis mentioned, and then man, oh you know what was really nice yesterday too. If you were quick on this, forty eight twenty three uh was the low. And it got up it got up over that. It got up oh, even over the close. It got no uh, barely got over that low, forty eight and a quarter. So we'll see. Big pop. Let's see if people want to ring the register on it. How's ATVI doing? I'm that. That was uh Dennis. You were pretty emphatic about that. Huh? Still hanging in there. Well, buyer's not giving up yet.
1: Well, wow, it's only been twenty minutes since we talked about it.
3: <laughs> it's yeah. Not
1: gonna roll over immediately.
3: No. Okay. All right. What uh, do we want? Is Eric in the background yet? Talk IPO Max.
2: Not yet, but I'm gonna keep going. Um, go, go. GWS is on, in the dot com chat. Is on the same wavelength as Dennis this morning because Dennis, when we first came on, uh, asked if it was, when are we buying Maxar, and GWS is asking about that. So we Maxar earnings. We didn't talk about it. It was no. a, they had earnings Monday afternoon. Uh, stock I <sighs> heard, and now what? Now what do you do? What were the earnings? Oh, uh, make any money at all? No, that,
1: no. No, they're good. Uh, wait, wait. wait. Don't, oh my goodness, don't,
2: call, don't call me on that. Uh, they lost money last quarter. Revenue, $392 million, was uh, unchanged from the prior quarter. I'm sorry. That's not the case. Uh, revenue was down quarter over quarter. What about oh, year over year? Uh, revenue was, was uh, up slightly year over year. Uh, nothing to write home about. Uh, But they missed the estimates for the the, the top line.
1: It's a space play, but that stuff is all
2: massively out of favor right now. Mm.
1: Massively out of favor. I know space had a nice rally yesterday on a headline, but I think that this stuff's all out of favor. I'm out until we start to see sentiment turn towards growth. Right now, it's still ugly. Valuation is not attractive. 20 bucks? I know people don't want to hear it, it's 28, <laughs> um, but $20 is where you topped out in the beginning of January 2020, and then you broke out from there. Huge support down at 20. That's a, nine points down from here. It's a long ways down, but I don't see anything in here at 29, so I'm not going to try to catch the falling knife. I might try to catch it if it got down to 20. That's not That's happening anytime way, soon, way, but yeah. this type of market, if a few weeks go by, growth stays out of favor. You never know so we're right here at 29 no i'm not fine even though i kind of love the
3: story of space and this is a space play completely out of favor right now you can lean on yesterday if you're so inclined lean on yesterday's low at 2786 big volume day so maybe you got everybody out of the pool that wants out of the pool but uh your next uh monthly low oh boy is at another buck and a buck 50 lower 2629, but a uh, little bounce off the low. Maybe it right look at the right side, maybe a hold here for a couple of days and then you know maybe try and turn up. But only number is yesterday's low. Is Israel, Spencer? I was, I, I was answering for Eric. Wait for
2: Eric. I was answering Eric Roll on the phone. Uh, he's going to be on with us in just a second. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: jumping over. Um, We do have a lot of companies reporting tonight, and we are getting people chanting for PayPal, so maybe we should preview PYPL. It's weekend of the report. It's getting a little pop here this morning with growth getting a little bit of a relief pop. It kind of feels like a bit of a dead cat bounce. PayPal's still a growth name. Love the story. Again, the storied stocks, the high-value stuff is not in favor right now, though, so... Could it pop month. on the earnings? If it did, I'd probably be a seller. So it's tough. It's not the kind of stock I want to buy right now.
3: Oh, man. Two monthly lows, 45.70 and 46.65. 2.46 must hold long-term level in PayPal. All
2: right. Eric Kroll is here with us. I'm going to bring him on right now. He's the founder of Kroll Asset Management, co-author of The Life Cycle Trade. Eric, good morning. How are we doing? Hey, good
0: morning, guys. How are you?
2: Doing well. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Um, I feel like the last time we spoke, I, I don't even remember if we if we talked about SPACs, but I guess uh, in terms of quantity, SPACs are the new IPOs this year because they're out raising IPOs.
0: Yeah, the last time we spoke was December, and SPACs were popular, but still didn't seem to overshadow IPOs. But now they do.
2: I'm going to bring up uh, some slides you have prepared for us here that sort of give us some numbers on this uh, on this trend. It's sort of sort of mind blowing here uh, just in terms of proceeds raised and, and quantity. Uh, but as you mentioned, and as we've mentioned ad nauseum on the show, specs are, at least for now, out of favor. Yes.
0: I mean, if you go back just a couple of years ago there, um, and I, I don't even remember hearing the word spec uh, like two years ago now, um, there are only 59 SPACs, but now this year alone already, 311 uh, SPACs have IPO'd. Um, there's only been 114 traditional IPOs thus far. And when you look at the far right, you can see that in terms of the uh, total capital raised, SPACs have raised uh, 62% of all the total capital when you combine the SPACs plus the IPO. So they're already more than half. And uh, it's just it's just been crazy.
2: All right, let's talk about some specs that maybe haven't gotten killed. Uh, I, I look at this table, I see UTS is is not authentized. I see uh S- uh simple, not really authentiz, VRT not really authentic. Right. But uh I'm cherry picking here because the, the vast right. majority of them are well off their heads.
0: Uh exactly. Um and you sure I've sure been talking about this for for weeks and months that the, the vast majority of SPACs, uh, they have this pattern similar to an IPO where they have this quick advance, and then they come down. It's like a, a, a basically a, a cone shape. Um, and look at how many are way off their highs. I mean, like if you consider a, the market is considered in a correction when it's 20% off its highs, look how many SPACs are not only in a correction, but way into a, you know, a, a total bear for these, for these stocks.
2: This is kind of crazy. You sent you sent this over. Um, we talk about like oversupply um, oh. and I'm just going to go past that. And, and so look at this. So, so even if there are no more SPACs that IPO, let's say there's like a, a, a halt of new SPACs. We've still got so many of them out there, uh, pre IPO and post IPO that are pre merger, that like there can't be that many good companies available to buy
0: exactly i mean if you look at the top the first line there's 133 that have uh, merger agreements that are not yet approved okay that's that's one thing but then you have 355 looking for mergers and another 241 that are going to uh these specs are going to ipo at ten dollars a share at some point there's going to be look roughly 600 uh specs looking for merger partners wow i mean that's just crazy and so when you talk about how the prices that are out there. You know, two years ago, we were talking about Uber and Lyft and maybe Moderna and uh, Palantir and uh, Pinterest. Those were the unicorns, those were the best valued companies uh, that were private. Those are gone. They IPO'd. Now you've had 133 already uh, SPACs already merged, announced mergers. Those are gone what's left what what kind of companies out there that these 600 are going to be looking for what are they going to be picking from i mean the leftovers right so you're, you're looking at uh, when you have a lot of demand for new companies to merge with and a lot of supply of, of money they're going to be overpaying because i think the best merger candidates are taken and they're driving up purchase prices and then once they announce their merger what will happen there's usually some great excitement that they announced the merger And then that that general decay that just keeps coming on down after that, because I think they overpay.
1: And this is the problem that Warren Buffett was talking about on the weekend at the Berkshire meeting is that there's just so many of these facts out there. And he's like, he didn't like that they got the two year window only. What Buffett said was, if I only had two years to do a deal, um, you know, and then the competition is intense. He's like, I'd get a lot of bad deals. So he's like, they got the time crunch and then it's so competitive. I mean, like you say, with, you know, five or six hundred companies looking for mergers and the odds, you know, this is this is a seller's market for all of these. You know, these are the buyers and this is a seller's market for all of these private companies. So they're they're going to be multiple people competing for them. So they're probably not getting great deals. I mean, that's really what started this. If we go back even on CCIV on the Lucid deal, the pricing on it was just not good. And that's really where they hammered that stock. And that was really where the SPAC started to implode. It's like, man, this is the best one. And this is getting hammered because they had to way overpay to get it. So that, that's maybe a major issue here.
0: And, and they also, uh, the people who put their private money in the SPAC before the IPO, they have an incentive to get the deal because they're getting 10x and- off their initial investment. So they, despite the fact that there aren't that many great deals or great companies out there, they want to get their money back and they want to make 10X, so they're looking for deals. They're happy to you know, make a merger announcement. They get their 10X on the original yeah. capital and then everybody else who buys it after that, they're screwed. I I,
2: I want to go to these, these two. I want to move on from SPACs if I can and go back to IPOs because uh, there are these two charts here that, that I think are, are very interesting. So this first one uh, shows, I guess, what? That we are in a very, very hot, market right now that people are are very willing to buy up or, or bid up these ipos uh after the fact uh, relatively um it, i
0: always take this chart with a grain of salt we i bring this up most of the times i come on the show if you look at it um it, from 1982 to 2017 when we did our study and only 1.3 percent of all stocks doubled within their first four weeks uh, after the IPO. And I'm talking from the day one close price. And now it's at 2.9%. So, okay, well, that's twice as much as it used to be, but it still means that like almost 97% of IPOs don't double in their first four weeks. So most IPOs don't make quick gains. And if you look at 13 weeks, yeah, there's 12.4% that have doubled in the last uh, year and a half here in the first 13 weeks, when it used to be only six percent, but again, you know, if you think, oh, all IPOs are great, I better buy them on day one because they always double. No, even now, you're still looking at, you know, 87 um, percent don't double within the first 13 weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more than it used to be,
2: but it's still not great. The odds are not in your favor if yeah, you buy early. But this is the money one right here. I think this is what. Yeah, this is what Joel and I uh, referenced frequently is is this this idea that if you just wait a little bit you're more than likely to get a better price. Eighty one percent. So give us
1: give us the stats. That's just mind boggling too.
0: I, I think people just don't realize that um if you just wait a little bit, you're gonna probably get a better price because most of them undercut their day one low price within three weeks. Almost 60% and 81% you know within the first three quarters. So, I'm wow. um, I not mean, sure. I, it'd be interesting to be able to look at some SPAC uh, data just like this, but SPAC data is hard to get. I mean, they all IPO at ten, roughly, um, but the the real number is what is the price after they announce some deal, and then where does it go from that closing price of the day they announced the deal? And those are hard. That's data that's hard to find.
1: But basically, just saying, you know, to sum up, four out of five IPOs undercut their day one price. And within 39 weeks within, you know, so no, basically no, you're only getting one out of five. So if you're buying on day one. There's an 81% chance you'd be able to buy it cheaper within the first 39 weeks. So the, exactly. the, the moral of the story is the odds are against you if you're buying on day one. Exactly.
0: The, the, uh, the, the moral of the story is wait. Wait for, right. some, wait for the stock to establish a pattern, some sort of base, and then you buy later on.
2: Uh, do you have any, uh, favorite IPOs? Maybe I can go here. Do you, do you have any favorites, uh, right now? Uh,
0: no, frankly, no, there's, I mean, that, most of them are not performing very well. I mean, growth stocks in general have been doing poorly since the end of February and IPOs have not done that well either. Um, there's a, there's a few out there that I'm watching. Um, uh, and waiting for them to, uh, form some patterns, but, uh, I'm watching uh, FOUR, I'm watching uh, Palantir still, Corsair Gaming. Um, I'll admit in a few of those, I've I've tried to take positions and they've gotten shaken out. So they've been choppy. And it's just not been a great market for growth stocks really that much in the last um, really 8 to 12 weeks.
1: Do you see it turning eventually? And I've been talking trash and trashing growth here for the last month and I continue to trash it. But at a certain point in time, some of these stocks are definitely oversold. I mean, from a valuation perspective, I keep saying a lot of them are still trading at lofty valuations. But, I mean, you, you look at some of these and, and you know, like a Teladoc has been two for one. It's been cut in half from where it was right. a month and a half ago. I mean, at a certain point in time, aren't we due for some type of relief, Pop? It, definitely.
0: And I don't know when it will be uh, other than in general – uh, after the market has a great run-up like it did all of last year, uh, you're looking at sometimes three to six months of sideways to downward action before finally uh, stocks earnings start to grow into uh, their lofty or their their reduced valuations, and then maybe start to get a run. And right now, I'm looking at um, if I were guessing, maybe after the earnings cycle begins in July.
2: Uh, Eric, we we didn't have a a particularly productive prep meeting for this show today because we spent half of it talking about the Krispy Kreme IPO um, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so I, I don't know if you saw that but Krispy Kreme is I guess confidently filed. They're, they're coming back Four, five years after they got taken private they're coming back. If I can actually I, I, I brought up a chart of, of that stock and um, I don't know if you have thoughts on that or, or today we have the Honest Company which is Jessica Alba's um, uh, I guess beauty company. They're going to IPO this morning. Uh, I Do you have any thoughts on either of those? A
0: quick uh, I, I, I didn't know the Krispy Kreme Company was going uh, out again. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have any thoughts on that other than, <laughs> uh, again, uh, my, my main mantra is just patience. Just watch them. Uh, let the stock come out. Let people uh, and institutional investors decide uh, maybe what a fair valuation is. They'll, they'll hopefully form some sort of uh, IPO base. And then if you can break out in heavy volume, you buy when it goes above uh, that consolidation and go from there. But I'd be patient.
3: Uh, Dennis, I'm surprised you even mentioned Krispy Kreme uh, with Tim Hortons around. But, um, well, Eric, I want to ask you, I, I was looking at those list of companies that, that you showed there that, uh, they you know, SPACs or IPOs that come out. And I just, I'm not asking for like an individual uh, a stock, but more sector. I mean, I just, I think about, you know, 911. I remember good old Eddie Franco talking and he said, man, I think security, cybersecurity, I think you know, I think that that's going to be a sector that's, like, going to come out of the pandemic. And we, we've had to stay-at-home trade and having a reopening trade now. You know, looking, just looking forward, like, what, what's that? Because, I mean, obviously, people's behavior has been altered by uh, this event. We're slowly getting back to normal. But, like, I mean, fast food, and, you know, people have been lining up at, you know, these places. What is there a sector that's going to emerge from all this that maybe is being reflected in an IPO
0: or a SPAC? That, that, that's a great question. Um, I In general, you we do find that somehow medical technology usually produces big winners over time, and so do retail establishments like restaurants. It wouldn't surprise me at all if after the reopening starts that somehow restaurants start to come back, or maybe one that's private that goes public will do really well. There's been a lot of restaurants that have closed, so in my opinion, when okay. people start to go back to dinner and lunch, um, there's probably room for some restaurant to take off. So I'd be interested in maybe a restaurant IPO of some sort. Um, You know, if you go back, we've had big winners over the years and Chipotle. And um, Mm -hmm. I can't even think of a few others off the top of my head, but I'd be looking at maybe restaurants and um, we'll see. But I think usually medical and uh, retail establishments like restaurants are usually good.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Eric Kroll, as you can see on the screen, is the founder of Kroll Asset Management. He's the co-author of the Lifecycle Trade Studies IPOS. Eric, we always appreciate your insights and your time. Thank you so much.
3: And he cool. does the most homework for his appearances on oh, the man. show, the and and he stays up later than anybody I know. He, like, <laughs> he, he does. But I'm. No, thanks, man. Eric. But anyway, thanks, oh, Eric. Eric. You're great. was to see you. Uh, I right, guess smash the
2: like there for some real hard hard numbers and some homework. We, we, it is,
3: man. It is. It we just
1: can... it just telling you the FOMO, the FOMO will cause you to do so many things. And on the IPOs, everybody's like, I gotta get in this one. It's so hot. I gotta get in this. You know, and the Coinbase was the most recent one. I gotta get in. I gotta oh, get on day one. Oh, you know, this oh, is gonna oh. be. And what happened? Exactly what Eric says, you know, it cut through and even and not even only in the opening price it opened at 381 but it cut through the low of the day 5 days later and now we're you know we're we're 10% below where that low of the day was on day 1 but if you're in there and you got to get it on the opening price you're down 100 bucks already you're down 30% so you know maybe eventually coinbase is going to be a good buy but when you're buying these things on day 1 at lofty valuations it's um in uh, 80% of the time you're losing money So I like to play with the odds. I'm all about the math. You know, I take a quantitative approach to the the markets. You know, I love that, you know, math, four out of five times, you're going to get a better price if you don't buy it on day one.
3: And you know what's interesting, too, is like when, you know, it can become available for coverage, you know, like what? What brokerage firm is going to want to? I mean, it's direct competition, right, for the brokerage firms. Well, it'd be interesting to see what quality well, changes,
1: though. Yeah, it's direct. Yeah. Comp- not so much for the brokerages. So, right. But yeah, right. I, I mean, we've talked about this, and this is why you know I'm scared of Coinbase because I do believe the competition is coming for it. Even though crypto is in a f- complete bull market right now, I also believe that where we are in the crypto market right now. Is where we were in the SPAC market in January. I think when we look at the crypto market in a couple months, I think you're going to see some of it, you know, starting to give back and not maybe not the Bitcoins, Ethereum. I'm hoping I'm long both of those, but they've had good runs too. They're due for a correction. But you just got nonsense, you know, just going up like crazy, um, you know, and and you know, like like there's other coins people are just creating out of thin air. I, I looked at the the girl from Tiger King is coming out with a, a crypto coin now. Um, a kitty coin, you know, like this is, this is, these are signs of a top when you're just having random, you know, crap come on the market here. Okay. Yeah. Well, she's like, I don't, you know, and, and she just gives the arguments that everybody else gives, you know, printing money and, you know, here, I'm going to come out with the kitty coin and this is going to be what we're all going to transact in eventually. I mean, it's all just silliness. There's too many of them. It's going to be a washout at the end of the day. There's going to be, you know, a few leaders and that's it. And there's going to be a lot of people who lose a lot of money on all this other smaller stuff.
3: I, I should nft those uh the picture i showed um with the the horse <laughs> and then the one i showed today and i just like uh, nft put it out yeah, there nft at all go, go, just go, nft go. it yeah that
1: picture of spencer israel that neil created the nft oh yeah yeah, yeah that was good did, did, sell? That. did he
2: sell it uh he asked me for permission and i said you can only do sell it if I get some profits and you said deal, but then that was the last I heard of it. So. <laughs> he ran away and sold I it. Even million. And Neil's, Neil,
1: uh, now he's ran way here. <laughs> I don't even
2: know what happened. I don't know what happened there. Um, You know what's interesting? Just on the IPO conversation, and then we'll do some ticker time. Was two different people, uh, or at least two people in different chats, both said, you know what would be interesting? A Chick-fil-A IPO, and I kind of agree. Uh, yeah. But let's do some ticker time here.
3: Josh, before, before we do that, I just thought uh, there was a great question in the chat. Sure. And... Uh, and I can give my opinion, Dan. Is is this a, is this the dead cat bounce today? And what? At, the, like everything. Like the let's just go with the S and P. I'm going
1: to go S and P's because because the rotation keeps the S and P up. Okay. You know, I'm so glad that I have a huge position in spy, and that's where a lot of I know. Is. I, I, it, I, it, I, it's that. just calm, cool, and collected, and the dips get bought. We have no bear market in spy. We have a bear market in growth names. And that's why I keep poo-pooing all the growth names because it's been so much easier on the short side than the long side on the growth names. Everybody's still got, and you know, I catch myself doing it too. I was like, oh, I'll try this one. And then I get stopped out. You know, what's working is shorting the growth names on the spikes, not buying the growth names on the dips because then they continue to go for three, four day dips. They get one day a spike and then they sell off the next day. So, but it's hard to be short spy i kind of i, I want to be short the market i want to be bearish stocks overall they're all overvalued i mean we've had a great run on some of these value stocks too where it's gotten to be you know that the value stocks aren't as cheap as they were but there's still some that are still dirt cheap i mean people are throwing out a lot of PEs of 10 mitches and they're throwing out you know a lot of stocks with PEs of 9 10 11 and some are cheap i mean in a two percent environment a pe of 10 is very very cheap. Now again, he's got to be careful that it's not you know inflated earnings where you get some of these companies that are really you know benefited from the lockdown. They got inflated earnings right now, and then you're valuing on them. Uh, but it's hard to be bearish by because the rotation keeps it up.
3: Yeah, and I'm just going to say, you know, just looking at it, just like from a technical, you know, basis, you're so far off that low from yesterday, right? So now people are like scratching their head and they're saying, Oh man, I missed it. I should have bought yesterday. So on a day like this, you're just not gonna whoosh down. I mean, I I anything can Dance happen. By. Nah, I just like it's got a lot and the the shorts that they cover on that are scratching their heads. So you're going to back and fill. The dips that you get today yeah. are not going to be like the dips that you, you know, yesterday it was a pretty, I mean, we saw it in the pre-market. We saw it, you know, gone. There was some, some decent selling going on. Now people got to rep like, wow, 2075, man, that's 55 handles away from here. I mean, you're going to need a, uh, Bump up interest rates a quarter point for that to happen. So for me, what I'm looking at uh just for the day, and also you got the jobs number on Friday, you basically had a 90-point break off that 42.11 high, and you've already taken more of it than half of it back. And that that comes into like 4165. So to me, it's a dead cap bounce if we give back the gains today and then close under 4,165. But I just think we're going to just grind. I think for the act, you know, today's Wednesday, you we got Wednesday and Thursday, boom, and then you have the jobs number on Friday. So I don't think you're going to rip over 4,200, and I don't think you're going to just dip down right back down, give me another shot at 4120 and a half. I'm just looking for a kind of grind and see if we can close over 4,165
2: it's it's the five d's of the markets right dive duck dip <laughs> i don't
1: remember yeah, right. They do like dog dog twice or something or yeah, dodge yeah. twice
2: because dodgeball they do yeah. dodge twice yeah yeah right? i days. took
3: my girls to that movie someone said oh this is a good movie to take your kids to and they weren't very old and it was like uh it there's, was it's not, not a much good much movie to take there. Is there a, it's not that oh, oh it's, a good there's, there's, it's the I think we're pretty young, Dennis. I'm bringing it, it was, back. I'm sorry. I'm all bring, right. Bring
2: it back. We're right. uh, going. <laughs> my, 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 my next guest is here. Rob Picasso is the founding CEO of live person. They had earnings last night, LP LPSN. I want to bring Rob in, and uh, Dennis and Joel are going to- All right. Um, Adios, amigos. Out. Rob, good morning. Thanks for joining us today.
5: Hey, Spencer. How are you doing?
2: Doing well doing well. I uh, was looking at your numbers uh, last night and I uh, saw what you highlighted in the press release, which was it was uh, uh, a, a pretty good quarter for you guys. Uh, the best quarter for growth, you said, in your history. Uh, what what drove growth in, in LPSN last quarter in live person?
3: Yeah,
5: I mean, we provide uh, conversational AI systems for all the big companies in the world, uh, like your cities and your T-Mobiles. And so when you message them and talk to what we call chatbots and we build that and, and we're a leader in that in that platform. And so there's just so much demand right now. There's a big shift going from traditional commerce to what we call conversational commerce. And, you know, I, I kind of have this vision that, uh, you know, every company could have their own Alexa. And, and that's the way I see the world kind of playing out that we're not going on a website and putting things in a shopping cart and this and that. And we're showing it in the numbers. We grew 38% uh, in the in the quarter, year over year, and that's the highest growth rate. It's our fourth consecutive quarter of over twenty five percent growth and uh, third consecutive quarter of rule of forty. So we're also you know doing really good on the bottom line. You know we've been around twenty. I've been public for twenty years, right my so, twenty well, first year of running a public company, so I've been through a lot to get here, but we're definitely on a run right now.
2: So how does the last um, thirteen or so months uh, fourteen months compare? to those prior 20 years because like in, in theory wouldn't in the last year have been like just a perfect storm for you guys
5: yeah it's like we my whole thing if you went back like a couple of years ago when we launched this new platform uh the messaging ai platform i was like voice voice contact centers i just don't believe in like sitting on hold and press yeah. one two or three and what happened during COVID is the contact centers got shut down you know because people can't socially distance in them and then they were sent home these agents and what happened right away is our customers and 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 more you know prospects all said we got to automate these conversations we've got to really uh, you know scale conversations consumers want to talk to us but we can't have agents at home doing that so that was the first hit we went up like forty percent in volume last year between April and March and then retail came and so like we have one of the largest jeweler companies of three thousand stores in the U.S. a public company. They went live in November with selling online and bringing the people in the jewelry stores online. And they've, they've sold tens of millions of dollars in a very short period of time. Chipotle, you know, burritos. You can build a burrito now, uh, you know, using uh, talking to a, a bot called Pepper and then you go pick it up at the door. So all of that came in um, during the, you know, during COVID and now it just continues to go because consumers, they you know, they wanna stay digital.
2: Uh, you, you, you just mentioned two use cases right there. But I want to ask you specifically about uh, healthcare and government. Uh, what, what are the use cases there? Because, you know, I think AI chatbot and I think retail, I think banking, um, I think any customer service role, but I, I don't think government and I don't think healthcare. So can you, can you speak to those?
5: Yeah, I mean, like let's take healthcare. We we signed uh, in the quarter the largest healthcare company in in the United States, third largest in the world. And when you think of healthcare today, it's such a disconnected experience. I go to the doctor, uh, you know, I I give him my insurance card. A bill comes to me. Then I may call the insurance company because the bill looks wrong. It's a whole. I call the doctor back. So we're trying to create is more of a connected experience. I'm on my mobile device. I message the insurance company, I see my bill, they message me back. I can also connect with the doctor and all of that becomes in a single pane of glass for me. It's all on my, on my device. It's all in line. I'm not like calling and then emailing and then doing something else. It all is there. So we're looking at really changing, uh, you know, the face of healthcare. We also launched during the quarter with city, a way to do testing. We have a thing called Bella health where we're doing testing COVID rapid testing in home, To bring their employees back to work, so we're also taking healthcare a little further and thinking, what if you woke up in the morning? This AI could help you uh, do things with your health and wellness in your life. You could also do testing to check, you know, your your blood and and figure out where you are in in your in your journey of your health. But an AI could assist you and take you through it. So that's that's sort of the healthcare one. And then government, I mean, government is if you ever try to call the IRS or uh, try to connect with any government organization, even local government. It can be tough, and we did launch uh, a big program around vaccines with the state of Maryland. And that uh, people are asking about them. Where do I go get them? And so we built an AI to help assist that. And then we're working on health passes now. Is that you're going to have a, a health pass that's in your app that you can then take and you can enter, you know, airports and take flights and things like this. So this this is the areas we're working on
2: on with Rob Vacasio is the founder and CEO of Live Person. Uh, so you guys raised your fiscal year guidance last night. What, what is the growth driver coming out of COVID now? What is the growth driver?
5: We're seeing AI, conversational AI, being adopted everywhere, and in these use cases. We originally customer care, but we had like Dunkin'. You know, they're no longer a donut. They're more than donuts, but they're using now conversational AI to drive a loyalty program. So they're putting qr QR codes on uh you know in the stores you hit the qr code you open the app and then you're going to have a conversation around uh you know joining the loyalty program and they're going to give you different things for doing that uh you know we had we have one of the largest car dealerships in the world you know they had to shut down their contact center but they're now going to use messaging and ai for things like when they see your brakes are wearing down or your oil needs to They'll send out a message to you and then you'll converse and you'll set up right there appointment to get your car fixed. So from like donuts to cars, uh, to jewelry, to healthcare passes to customer care, what's happened now is is that uh, conversational AI is now taking off. And I really believe, look, I really fundamentally believe that we're going to talk to a machine. We're going to communicate with it. It'll help us with our intent, help us you know, find things, help us buy things. But this idea of like searching on Google, hitting a website, scrambling around, maybe picking up a phone, calling, I get something, it's, the, the customer service is no good. We want to just make it very simple. I want to buy something. Here it is. I need service after I bought it. Here it is. And that's all a very uh, easy experience. That's, that's the, the platform that we built called the conversational cloud.
2: Good question from our chat here from James uh, Santangelo. Uh, whoever I'll, I'll just bring up his comment. Whoever has the most data data has the best AI, what is LivePerson's data source?
5: So that that's what makes it unique. You know, we've been around, like I said, uh, I invented chat for customer care back in 97. So we've always been very focused on data around chat. And then it moved to messaging four years ago. We generate about 80 million conversations a month and end-to-end business conversations from the largest brands in the world. We have about 18,000 customers. That data is enabling us to build the highest quality, highest scaled automation in the world. And my CTO who came came here, Alex Spinelli three years ago, ran the Amazon Alexa team. And he came here three years ago because he looked at our data and said, wow, Amazon only has like the data of Amazon. You guys have the data of 18,000 customers, plus you have the largest brands. We have 40 of the largest uh, 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 banks, 20 of the largest telcos in the world. You have that data, we can help solve and automate conversations across every vertical. And so you're right, our moat is the data that we have.
2: So do, do you you see a world where like you see a future? Obviously, you're bullish on on AI chatbots. You see a world where there is not going to be any customer service. Am I getting that right? Or like human to human? I mean,
5: yeah, I, you know, although the name of the company is live person. Uh, you know, I, I've been in the business like having live agents on our platform for you know my my whole uh, career here. Um, the majority, what it's like the dirty secret. The majority of customer care and why agents are there, it's not to be friendly with you. that That's, I agree, humans need relationships. I'm not doubting that. But the reason they exist is because the back-end systems of companies are old. And the human needs to interface between you, the consumer and that old system. You don't even know what goes on like behind the scenes. There's usually they have like five or six systems open and you're telling them like my bill doesn't look right but and they're going across different systems and you don't want to do that. What you want to do is say my bill doesn't look right. You want to say can you check it out to a machine or to whoever and it comes back and says you're right, the bill's not right, we'll correct it. Sitting there and talking to a human about that doesn't make sense. The relationship I get but if you look at really why customer care agents exist because there's a gap between digital and these back end systems and that gap now is being closed um, because of things that happened in COVID. That's rushing more open access to backend systems, but that's that's the reason they exist. And we're turning them. By the way, we're not getting rid of them. We're turning them now into AI bot makers. Like we've got agents now. They they don't answer calls or chats. They actually create bots. So they need to be the bot makers. So they don't. They shouldn't lose their jobs. They should convert it. And we're we're actually doing that. We're seeing that.
2: So uh, I read in the release last night, you guys signed 98 new deals in the first quarter. When you sign in one of these new deals, like what are, are you talking, are we talking about like a lifetime contract? I mean, like how sticky are all these contracts? How long when you sign, whether it's like a big conglomerate or, or, or not, how long is a typical deal with, with live person?
5: I mean, usually the, the, the large enterprise deals are three year deals contractually. Um, we've had customers who have been with us 15 years. So you know we, we we have we've been around a long time and and we understand uh you know the, the nature of the business the reason the revenue grows the way it grows and we're seeing this acceleration is because the majority of our revenue is recurring revenue so that's people just paying us each month to get access to the service um and and you can see the, the growth rates are going up because we're we're keeping uh, customers in their sticky they they in they integrate this technology into like their website their phone systems. They've got eight, thousands of agents trained on it so they can take these messages, create automations. Um, so the, the platform has so much in it and it gets very integrated into the business. Um, and now we're adding other capabilities. We're adding capabilities around social so you can monitor social media. We're adding voice capabilities for digital voice. So we're, we're really taking over all of the uh, communication and connection channels for the brand consumer experience.
2: Right, explain that when you say monitor social media. So, like, I, I'm, you know, brand X, for example, right? What what social media monitoring capabilities do you can you give me?
5: So right now, they they usually have a tool, like they have a tool that monitors. So if you put up there, like you suck, you know, like right. <laughs> something's wrong. They right. they monitor, you know, every brand is monitoring their feeds on on social, and they they usually get back to you because they know if you don't, if they don't, there's a problem. So that usually sets, sits in a separate system. And um, what our customers have asked us to do is bring that over uh, onto our platform so that the agent and the business has one view of the consumer. So the consumer may have gone there and put something on social. They may then go into message to an endpoint like Facebook messenger, Apple business chat, or on the website. And they want to see that consumer as a single entity across that. So so we built out the capabilities. We just signed one of the largest airlines to this this product line. We have one of the big streaming music services. These are big users of social. So we we have a lot there, and, and we're attacking that market uh, pretty aggressively.
2: So the, the question that like every consumer like wants to know when they like look at a company like yours is like, okay, does this mean I'm getting better customer service? Is is that is that what this means? I understand that I'm not I'm talking to a robot and theoretically it could be more efficient and I'm already pissed off as it is, uh, right? For having to deal with this in the first place, but uh, does this mean I'm getting better customer service?
5: Yeah, I mean, the alternative is voice calls, putting put on hold or sending an email.
2: I mean, the the, the,
5: the worst consumer experience is sitting on a voice call. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, it's, first of all, voice calls are like, it's a 50 year old technology, if not more, I'm talking about for the contact center. Contact centers, by the way, they don't exist right now, but when they did, they looked like factories. It's like thousands of people all next to each other with headsets. And every day they're just sitting there. To give you a little bit of the other dirty secret of contact centers, usually it's like 40% or 50% of the people who work there, they end up quitting every year. And it's not that they're bad people, by the way. They're actually very kind people who want to help consumers, but customers. But what happens is that it's so wearing on them to have someone screaming in their ear all day and the technology is so old that it breaks them. And so what we see is when they're on our platform, it's like silence, they're messaging, it's asynchronous. Like we, had, we had one um, agent who told a cu- customer, we looked at the transcript, they said, I have to go to lunch. Do you mind if I take a lunch break? I'll pick this back up in an hour. And the consumer's like, no problem, because it was asynchronous, as it was like normal messaging with a friend. And this is the kind of things we see when we look at, at the, the care that the, the consumer can get. Consumers love it. It's like what they do with their friends and family. Now they're doing it with a human or an automation, like a bot. You know, bots are a dirty word because most of the bots early on that were built weren't built with like the type of technology we have, and they they were they were sucky. But we we have we have good, you know, our stuff. We we have high quality.
2: Um, well, I, I, that's the, that'll be my last question here. Is like you know we all think of like the early chatbots, and while innovative you know, you were the first generation. Uh, what, what makes your your technology so much better? Because most people probably just think of those first gen chatbots.
5: Yeah, it, what you see is is a couple of things that we built. One is we have the data, so we understand like what a really good conversation looks like. We have a tool set that allows the, the company, the brand to, to understand the intent. We have a thing called intent manager. It's You got to really understand what is the consumer's desire? What, what do they want? And we have a way to analyze that. And then we have this tool called Conversation Builder. And you'll see most of the bot building tools, they look like flow charts. It's like you you put an intent at the top and then it's really messy. And what we want to do is build something that the normal agent, the normal contact center agent who really understands conversing can build a bot. And they just write it out like a conversation that they normally have. And they use the data source that we give them from the transcripts. And they're able to do that. Then they deploy the bot and they watch it. And they're watching it and they're improving it. As it fails, they jump in and, and they'll take it over as a live conversation. But there's a circle between agent and bot to improve it. Most of the time you see like it's technical people create using bad tools. They put it up. It keeps failing, failing, failing. No one's watching it. And then they try to improve it later on, like a couple of months later. We have this cycle that the agents in there improving it day by day.
2: All right, I've been on with Rob Picasso, who's the founder and CEO of Live Person. It's up on the screen, the ticker LPS. And Rob, I very much appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, congrats on the quarter.
4: Thanks, Spencer.
5: Have a good one. All right.